Okay, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is September 16th of 2022. It is Friday. Uh, my name is Jordan. I'm joined here with my guy, Andrew, once again. Andrew, what's going on, man? What's up, Jordan? Happy to be back on. Yeah, should be fun here today. Uh, apologize for, for being a little bit late here to the stream. We actually just got done recording a new uh, Behind the Sims, which is actually what kind of took us uh, a little bit getting into office hours here today. So uh, for those that are interested and been waiting for a new episode of Behind the Sims, should be able to get that out here before the end of the day today. Uh, different flavor of Behind the Sims, really. Uh, almost behind the behind the content this time around. It was a, a discussion between uh, me and Andrew and Andy talking about some of the new videos we want to make, some of the new kind of... Uh, we're talking about it as a framework of how we recommend people use Saber Sims. So uh, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about what goes on behind the scenes as we're coming up with some of that stuff. Definitely give that a watch. But um, we have a few questions in our queue here for today. We'll go ahead and get started in just a moment. Before we jump in, Andrew, anything uh, you want to talk about? Anything Anything you got on your mind? Uh, no, I'm really excited for everyone to watch the Behind the Sims. And I thought it was fun making my uh, debut and just having those DFS-related theoretical versus practical conversations was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So let's go ahead and get into it here. Uh, what we'll do, I'll, I'll, we're going to pick up with yesterday questions that started coming in yesterday afternoon in discord. Uh, that is where we'll start. We'll make our way slowly over to YouTube chat throughout the show here. Um, as always, if you have questions that you want me to answer, you want me and Andrew to answer here, fire away at us, discord office hours channel uh, or YouTube chat is fine. One quick note uh, for those of you guys in, uh, in the, Discord channel. Um, there's a bunch of awesome conversation going on there, back and forth, things like that, which is great. We love that. Uh, if you don't mind, um, try to lean on the threads, uh, the Discord threading functionality where possible. If we can keep the back and forth conversation in there in a thread, it just makes it way easier when I'm scrolling through here on stream to kind of figure out what, what are actually like the real, the new questions. Um, so again, not trying to crush uh, the spirit of anybody that is having that back and forth in Discord, because that's awesome. We encourage that for sure. Uh, but just makes it a little bit easier for me to see like where actual new questions start and stop. So um, anyway, let's go ahead and just get into this here. So this was from uh, from Joe. This came in yesterday afternoon. Good place to start. And said, uh, regarding sim precision, what exactly does it mean uh, with the average number of sims per lineup. If we make a build of 1,500 lineups with precision at 10, uh, does it mean there were only 1,500 sims for that build? So let's let's kind of quickly do a, a walkthrough of what the sim precision slider is. So the sim precision slider is determining how many, how many sims do we look at per game per lineup. So default settings here for a tw NFL 20 max 10 to 50K, and let me make sure that these are actually the defaults here, um, is sim precision six which means the very first thing that happens every single time we build a lineup is we're going to take 18 random Sims of a database of tens of thousands of Sims of each game and use the average player projections that those players scored in that set of 18 Sims to build that lineup. When we build the next lineup, we'll take a different random set of 18 Sims of each game use those projections as the baseline to build those lineups. Obviously, those projections kind of start getting moved around once we start to incorporate things like ownership fade and correlation, but that's the baseline from which that lineup is made. So yes, at Sim Precision 10, you're using an average projection of one Sim per lineup. Uh, if you were building a 1,500 lineups with Sim Precision 10, 
every lineup is basically using a baseline of a single game sim for for every lineup. Whatever somebody scored, if you pull out a sim where uh, Dalvin Cook runs for three touchdowns for that lineup, he's going to score like 45 fantasy points. We'll probably almost certainly make his way into that lineup. If it was at Sim Precision 9, that sim would still be there, but it would be along with two other different sims where he could score a different kind of outcome. And he'd probably be a little bit closer to his average outcome. So um, that's basically how it works. Uh, Andrew, anything to, to add on there with the, the sim precision stuff? No, I would just say that sim precision 10 can be so specific. Yeah. And I think it's great for showdown, but for main slates, I and it, and it's already there by default. You said it's at six, so mm-hmm. I do advise caution of cranking it up all the way to ten on something like a main slate. I'd say stay closer to the defaults for sure. Yeah, I agree, and and I think just with all the sliders, defaults are going to be a good place to start with. Um, if you want more diversity, increasing your sim precision slider can be a really good way to do that. I would agree with you that you know sim precision ten really does represent something kind of unique that like the difference between nine to sim precision 10 is very different than any other one number change here because you are making the jump to a singular simulation right like with all of the the chaos that can unfold in a single game sim uh it is a very specific thing i i would say sim precision 10 really only makes sense if you are playing sports or contests where you think you are going to need the true optimal to win um the like or that that is a likely outcome that nfl showdown is a good example mma is another good example you are very likely to need the true optimal the highest scoring possible lineup you could have made to beat large field gpps in those contests uh if you don't need that it's probably too high for for almost anything else so um, even an NFL main slate, Millie Maker, a million act like a million actual lineups you are competing against. It is very unlikely that you actually need the true optimal to win. And I think Sim Precision 10 for me probably still might be too high for even something like that big. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm curious. And then we'll then we'll move on. But uh, NFL Millie Maker, Sim Precision 10, too high, or or do you think at that point you'd actually be interested in getting there? No, I think it's too high. Yeah. And I ran some test builds with it last week and just scrolling through the lineups I was getting, I was like, I just wouldn't play some of these still. And I preferred to bring my sim precision down closer to the baseline. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Let's, let's keep it rolling here. Um, there was a quick question here um, from, oh, also from Joe about entry exposure. Um, this column uh what does entry exposure mean? This appears in a couple different places here. Um, basically what it is, is so like you can kind of think about things as as lineups or entries. So if you put a unique lineup into every entry you have here, let me see. I think I can just pull it up here. This is just so I can show it on screen. I don't have any. Oh, yeah, I do. I do have lineups in here. Okay, so lineup exposure and entry exposure. So if you have a unique lineup into every single contest you're playing, these will always be the same, right? Or in this case, I have the same lineup in every entry because it's just a dummy lineup. Then it's going to be the same. If you start, like, if you put the same single entry lineup into every single single entry you're playing, that's when you're going to start to see different numbers here, right? Like you could have a player that is in, you know, there might be a player that's in your single entry lineup and only your single entry lineup. So that's only in like one out of maybe 150 total lineups. 
but because you're playing 10 single entries, they're in 10 different entries. So this is basically, if you took like, what percentage of entries is Jerry Judy in? That's this number. This number is what percentage of unique individual lineups is Jerry Judy in? That's that's this number. So, um, I think it's a good tool for seeing where you are if you're playing like elevators specifically, and maybe you're rank filling it, where you can see like, okay, I only have Jerry Judy in one out of ten lineups, but I have him in five out of fifteen contests. Right. So just knowing that is is good information. Yeah, and I think, again, m- would probably be most useful just to see discrepancies between the two and just make sure you're not getting, like, blindsided by something you didn't expect. Um, you know, again, like, right, right. if you're using a unique fill method, like any unique, either of these unique fill methods, and these numbers are not equal, something's probably wrong, actually. Like, you, you probably messed something up. Like, you either have not enough entries, not enough lineups to fill all of your entries, or you have an incomplete entries file, or like something's not right because they should be equal. And you know, if you use the rank fill method, there's going to be discrepancies here. They might surprise you on how big they are. Like you might have a player that is in a ton of your uh, entries, and you're actually not very highly exposed in your lineup. So anyway, um, let's keep it going here. Um, I just want to actually just make sure I, I bring this up on screen. This might be one that's a better one for support to help out with here. But C. Pendleton said, is there a certain way you have to fill uploads in DraftKings using a Mac? I keep getting an error saying my header isn't allowed. What it sounds like to me is that this isn't a Mac-specific thing. Um, what, what it sounds like is that you are accidentally uploading a lineups file instead of a entries file, right? So let's real quickly... Um, yeah, and I can actually, you know what? I bet you I can just recreate this exact error on stream. Oh, we just did some precision 10. That's okay. That'll be fun. Um, I might be able to recreate this on stream like really quickly here. Um, we'll build just a couple lineups. I don't want to take too much time here. Um, so the most important thing is just when you're actually like filling, just make sure that you've, you're, you're going through the fill entries up here, right? that you have an entries file loaded, that you're giving us a fill method you want to use, and then you're downloading and opening to DraftKings. If you just download this file, right, this is your raw lineups file. And then if we go over to DraftKings, and we're going to get the nice broken version of DK that keeps showing up on my Firefox here. But then if we upload that lineups file, then you get this error, incorrect player position header. That's what I think it is, right? But if we upload it, I think we did. Yeah. So, but if you upload that, the, this one, the fill entries, the entries file, everything should go through correctly. So yeah, playing detective here. Um, so, um, Tim asks an interesting one here. Um, this, this is an interesting question here. So uh, NFL Slate's question, outside of ownership discrepancies, what are some tools and or sites that you use to break down a NFL full Sunday slate? Um, of course, only if you don't mind sharing. Um, Andrew, I'll kick this one over to you first. I'm curious, you know, are there any particular like other, you know, is there other content or like tools or, or things out there that you find interesting um, that ends up being a part of your, your NFL research process? So I'll say that, I will check out the weather report from Kevin Roth. Yep. So I think last week Chicago had a big storm and I got put onto that via Kevin Roth's 
weather dashboard. So I think that's always something important to check. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. Um, and that can be a good spot. You know, uh, I was listening to uh, Lowell's yesterday afternoon um, and, and Brian was talking about like, you know, he feels that, you know, for some of those really bad weather games that projection models don't always get adjusted down enough. Um, and I think that that's like, you know, that could probably be actually pretty sharp there. Like that if it is pouring, like, and it is, I mean, it's like a swimming pool on the field. Yeah. I mean, the projections probably are going to be quite a bit lower. The scoring output is going to be a little bit lower in that game, or at least the variance of that game is like way, way higher. Uh, I think we had that so. weather game last year with the Bills and the Patriots and Mac Jones threw the ball two times. Yeah, uh, the wind. If I remember. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like wind. snowing and wind. I think wind in particular is very predictive of bad scoring outcomes. Um, snow is an interesting one just where like I think you can get – like sometimes that actually can kind of promote offense just because the the guy with the ball knows where he wants to go and the guy playing defense doesn't. Where like so when it starts getting like kind of slippery out there, um, provided that the quarterback can at least just like deliver the pass, sometimes that actually ends up. I remember like was it Bills e- Eagles like a few years ago, um, maybe two or three years ago, where it just dumped. Like there were like there was like a foot of snow during the game. Uh, I remember Leshawn McCoy for the Eagles just went off on that game, like scored like three touchdowns. Um, so yeah, I think weather's a good one to look at. Um, you know, I would say for me. Like I like listening to, um, you know, DFS podcasts throughout the week. Um, I'll listen to a lot of the stuff that they do at like ETR and some of the Rotor Grinder shows and just like some of the other like sites shows. Uh, And I think it's just useful to like kind of get an idea of like what people are looking at, both from ownership and from like a who you want to actually play. Um, And I kind of take like a, a somewhat of like a Bayesian approach with it where like if, you know, if. I'm hearing the same name on four different shows. That's a lot more in terms of like that player actually being a good play, but also probably being higher owned than if I'm hearing that name on like one show, right? Like if there's like, you know, if one, one podcast or one article I read likes a guy that might act like there's actually might be a low owned opportunity there. If everybody likes a guy, that's the chalk of the week and like probably still a good projected play. Uh, but that's the chalk. So that's what I do. I, in terms of like tools, I, I don't think there's a lot of other like tools that I end up doing. I think SaberSim is just so good at doing like all of the tooling that I want it to do that that's not really where I, I don't really go anywhere else for that. But for content and research, like I, especially for NFL, I just, I listen to a bunch of podcasts and, and read, read a lot of the articles that are out there. I, I think it's very important to keep your eye on what you're, uh, what people are posting articles about, mm-hmm. what people are talking about, especially in weekly sports, football, PGA, people will just get gassed up the entire week. I remember last year there was like a huge pump from Tuesday to like Saturday. Najee Harris played 100% of snaps in his yeah. first game and his ownership was just sky high. So always important to keep your ear to the ground. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and I think it helps build some of that intuition. You know, I talk, I talk sometimes here on office hours about how, you know, you can build a little bit of an intuitive sense of where, like, I think ownership in particular might be a little bit off. And part of that, like our ownership model has come a long, long way. I mean, it is, it is a, it is so much better than it was even just like this time last year, but there's going to be situations where like, what did we have yesterday? The Bengals D was the example, right? Like, I feel right. pretty confident saying that we're, well, I'm curious what we're at now, but we're probably under on the Bengals D, right? Uh, and I think part of that is that it is just, it is the 
defense that just gets brought up over and over again in every, like we have them as the highest owned defense, but they're, they're probably going to be double this, right? Like, because it's the defense that gets brought up in every single show about week two NFL DFS. So um, anyway, I think that's, that's how you can help start build that, that intuition out a little bit more. So. Cool. Let's keep going here. Um, again, see some questions coming in YouTube chat. We'll get there here shortly. Um, real quickly, uh, let's go ahead. Keep going. Um, a question from Joe in Discord here. Um, Joe's basically asking for like notes in a build. So on the builds tab, there should be a section that we can use to add notes to the build, reminding us our thoughts and targets. Um, Something like low ownership on player A or fade Rams or make sure you lock in player B or check injury report on player C um, along something along those lines. Honestly, I'll, I'll tell you this, Joe. I think it's a great idea to like do, right? Like writing, I, I've even, some of our old videos I did with Max, one of the things that we hit really hard is like take notes. Like when you're listening to some of the content and doing some of your research out throughout the week, have somewhere you can write that stuff down so that when it comes time on Sunday and you have an hour before lock, you remember the things that you wanted to do and you're not trying to remember everything at once. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I feel like Google Docs or like a piece of old school piece of paper <laughs> is like going to take care of most of that for you fine. Um, I think this is like kind of a cool feature, but there's like so much stuff out there that we want to build that nobody else has even like ever done before uh, that I think those are going to be the priorities before we like just start adding adding notes to the app and things like that. But I, I do think you're like the, the spirit of this is, is definitely right on. I highly recommend, you know, just taking notes as you're doing your research process, whether that's like throughout the week, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, whatever it is. But um, Andrew, you do anything like that? You have like a, you, you ever create yourself I'm like a, a cheat sheet or take notes or like stuff like that? More of an old school pen and paper. I just yeah. got a notebook on my work desk and I uh, jot things down, down throughout the week. Even if I'm, not at home, scrolling through Twitter, out and about, write it down on my phone. So I think there are a lot of options. Yeah, I got I got mine right here. And it actually still from uh, Tuesday, right at the top says fade Corbin Burns, uh, which is <laughs> how I ended up on 100% David Peterson that night. So, um, but yeah, the, the good old legal pad. Uh, works works good here. Um, Shady makes a good point too. Uh, you can name your builds. I have seen people do this before. So like if you're experimenting with like, hey, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you're heading into this week and you're like, I just kind of wanted to see like what do what does fading the Raiders stacks look like this week, right? They're obviously going to be a pretty popular stack. Um, this build is not loading and is also the one that I cut off super quickly. So maybe not the best example. Um, let me, but I do want to show you where this pen icon is. So let me see if I can just like fix this real quick. Um, hang on. Losing steam here. The, all the excitement of the stream is dead. Uh, I could try. Yeah, I if you've got it up and you want to uh, pull it up on your end. Um, yeah, Guy Will Gamble said naming, naming lineup sets and builds can be useful too. So. Yeah, no, good, good advice there. Um, me and Andrew just have the old school pieces of paper, I guess, but we've yeah. got a bunch of uh, tech. Actually, no, let's, I'll wait for you to pull it back up. Okay, yeah. All right, let's see. Come on. I don't know why it's taking so long here. This build only has like 85 lineups in it anyway. What do you think about the Raiders chalk this weekend? Uh, you know, I haven't really like, 
I haven't really dug in super deep um, and like built anything or like I don't have like a, a an analytical sense of how I want to play it yet. By the way, the 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 button to rename your build is just right up here. So like I don't know, fade raiders, you know, whatever. Um, I'll tell you what. So last week, like I I was in on the Chiefs. Like I feel like we had a similar situation where the Chiefs were the the highest projected owned stack. Saberson was like, just get more of them. They're the best play. Uh, and I did, but I almost wish I ended up with even more. Like I capped exposure there, and I almost wish I even had more. When I was running some initial builds this morning, it seems like a similar situation. But I just don't know if I like. I just don't know if I bought into the idea that this that like this really is the equivalent situation that like the, the Raiders, the Raiders offense is just as deserving as being, you know, being well over the field on the chalkiest stack in the highest game total of the week. Um, I don't know on the flip side, I'll tell you what, like there's, I feel like there's less other good teams to get to, like there's less other stacks that I'm super excited about. I feel like it's a weird week where, you know, there's a lot of, there's the, the premier Raiders Cardinals game, that seems like the, the premier game of the week, but all of these other, like, I think there's question marks about stacking any of these other teams. Whereas last week there were, I was just as happy to get to like all of these other games that were going a, a little bit lower owned. So I, I all of this to say uh, a lot of words to say, I haven't really decided yet, but I don't know. Curious what your thoughts are. This is my first look at it, but I could just see how the chiefs pounding the Cardinals into the ground can skew defensive statistics and skew people's views of the Raiders now being in a prime spot to take advantage of the Cardinals. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think, so I think I'm more on board and this is just like a quick gut call. I think I'm more on board with eating the Devonte Adams chalk alone than the full Raiders stack across the board. We'll see how that ends up shaking out. But like, it seems like Adams is just going to get like ridiculous usage all year long. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's a great play, even at like maybe the highest overall owned skill position player on the slate. Uh, but I might try to branch out a little bit more on the other stacks. Um, but we'll see. Right on. Um, okay. Let's keep going here. Um, so long discussion here that has unfolded in discord, uh, about this particular question. I'll, maybe we can give our takes on this here, but for those want to go a little bit deeper, um, good discussion there in discord, but question, uh, says for, for the DFS profit plan and strictly bankroll aside, is there a point of diminishing returns for the number of entries with large scale GPPs? Uh, for example, the Millie with 500,000 entries, that is say anything more than hundred entries is excessive. Uh, just curious if there is an optimal entry size or if it's always max it out if you can. I think there's a lot of different angles to take this particular question. For me, I I would say, you know, how what do the lineups at the bottom of your pool ultimately look like? Like, are you confident in being able to make 150, 450, three, however many lineups it is? I guess for we're talking about a singular contest here. Um, are you comfortable being able to make 150 lineups that like you like, right? Um in, in theory, every lineup more that you are adding into the contest reduces the equity that other lineups have in the contest because only one can win first. And the top heavier the contest is, the more that effect is amplified because like in a milli, it's a hundred, it's a million to first and a hundred K to second. Like the, the equity taken out of each lineup is, is actually like a bigger impact. But I, I think for me personally, I just ultimately want to feel like every lineup I'm entering into the contest is good 
is in a vacuum is positive EV. Uh, and most of the time, I would say that I feel pretty comfortable being able to get there with 150 for almost any contest. Um, what are your thoughts, Andrew? I think bankroll aside, I would always try to max these large field tournaments. I think that on a NFL main slate, there's so many lineups that are positive EV. Right. That you shouldn't have any trouble finding them if you know what you're doing. But I don't think like you're going to run out of positive EV lineups in 150 is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I would agree. I, I think for FanDuel, for a very large field single game slate, I, I actually think there is an, is an argument to be made that the number of plus EV lineups that you can make and enter into that contest is less than 150. Uh, but I think it's probably close to 150 um, if you were like building the perfect lineups. And I I think it's hard to it's hard to calculate EV precisely anyway. So I think the the better, the more practical advice here is look at the lineups that are at the bottom, right? Look at your 140th through your 150th lineups and ask yourself, are these individual lineups that I want to play? Uh, and if they aren't, can you can they become lineups that you would want to play? Can you build lineups in those spots that you would want to play? And if you can't, then figure out how many good lineups you can make and enter those. Um, I do disagree with the, the general school of thought that you have to max out in contests to be competitive, right? I mean, the more lineups you have in play, the higher your raw probability for winning those contests is, but the more you're also like entering into that contest, you're also wagering more. So those are kind of balanced out. There's not any reason why you can't be plus, plus EV with a single lineup entered into a 150 max. You just should be prepared that somebody playing 150 lineups at your same skill level has 150 times the chance that you do to win on any given night. So, um, yeah, I don't have any problem with entering less than the maximum. That wouldn't turn me off. I'm perfectly fine entering 20 lineups or whatever your bankroll will allow. But just going off the question bankroll aside, I would try and max, but including bankroll because that's the world we live in. I think it's totally okay to enter less than the max. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting question here uh, from Max. Um, and said, uh, joined the trial yesterday, used an unedited set of lineups, played uh, 20 lineups in the $1 for the showdown and walked away with $44. Nice start. Uh, but how do I dive deeper into analyze now? Why did I not win $5 or $1,000 with my lineups instead? Uh, that is the question, right? I mean, that's that's the ultimate rabbit hole question, uh, how how to win more. Um, I, I think I mean, it's important to make a clear distinction that as much as we would like it to be, Saberson is not a money printer. You don't, you know, log on, hit the green button, build your lineups and, and go. I think it's, we always uh, push the fact that Saberson builds you positive EV lineups out of the gate. And I think that this question is a great example of that, but it really comes down to going the next step and putting in more value to get those higher results. Well said. I'll leave it at that. Um, let's go ahead here and 
Um, okay, so interesting question here. This is from Inatabicket about um, contest selection in soccer using the DFS profit plan. So um, says, looking at the profit plan, how do you apply it to more niche sports? Soccer for tonight would be a good example. Most of the low dollar diversifiers are not going to get you anywhere near close to a profit on say 150 entered on a night with a 3K bankroll. Uh, somebody watched my video I put out yesterday. Uh, is there a certain amount that you would look for in terms of I'm entering 150 on the slate? I'm not playing contests where the top prize is less than three to four X this. So if that is your your baseline, right, um, that you're playing, you're playing 150, you're playing a more uh, like a smaller sport like soccer, and you're not playing anything where first isn't at least a three to four X payout of a, off of 150. Here's what I would recommend. The, I think the profit plan is going to be best fit for sports that have a healthier overall contest lobby. So NFL, MLB, golf, NBA, probably college football, which we don't really directly support at the moment, NASCAR, MMA. I feel like all of those kind of qualify. Um, once you get into these smaller sports, so that's soccer, Formula One, all the esports, tennis, um, any of these over here, even NHL doesn't even have the healthiest contest lobby out there all the time. You're going to have to kind of make some balances here to fit that into the particular lobby. Here's what I would do if I was actually like going through and, you know, maybe if you're playing, um, let's go ahead here and look at this, just do guaranteed, right? Like just GPPs alone for this EPL2 gamer. And I know this is coming up like immediately here. So this isn't even maybe representative of what the lobby actually looks at here. Like, let's look at the Saturday EPL. Okay. So like maybe this is a little bit closer, right? There's going to be a ton of like very small contests in here. What I would actually probably end up doing is scale back your bankroll quite a bit, like your, your actual percentage of bankroll you're playing, maybe play one to two and a half percent and just take some like very sharp shots at the flagship contest. Assuming that, you know, you have an edge in this contest or this particular sport and like you're skilled at building lineups for this particular sport. I think that's probably actually going to be a better investment of your, your overall bankroll there is like taking some 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 shots there now scaling again the variance of that contest is going to be way higher it's your only contest that you're playing you want to kind of naturally counterbalance that i just don't know how well you could apply the the dfs profit plan to a lobby that looks like this um i don't know andrew like if you play frequently any of the the smaller sports out there i would say i generally kind of like mostly grind these top four with a little bit of mma mixed in do you have any experience like with contest selection for things like the soccer or the esports or the tennis lobby or anything like that? The only niche sport I really get into is NASCAR, but even then the lobby is yeah, 100k to first most days for like the main the cup race. So 50k to right, first this right. week, yeah. So so it's not I, as small as something like esports, but I do like the angle that you're coming at it from. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily, I'm not saying like go play the flagship, no matter what your bankroll is, no matter what that could be, whatever, like, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're really good at soccer DFS, but you're playing with a small bankroll. Maybe that to you is, you know, playing just the, just the $1 20 max, like, and playing a few entries in this and like taking shots at the, the, the hundred dollar prize to first while you build up a larger bankroll there. I think that's also fine too. Um, I just don't think the, the framework of thinking about things as a contest portfolio and balancing diversifiers and elevators and, and spreading out and getting all these unique lineups in play, I think is really probably only going to work on sports where that the lobby can support that. And if the lobby doesn't support that, then you got to make some adjustments. So that'd probably be the angle I'd take. But and that is that is what I more or less have done when I've dipped my toes into tennis and, and esports and things like that, I have, uh, I've actually never played a soccer DFS contest. So I probably would not really be able to 
even tell somebody where to start with with going any further than that. I think one time I got like a free ticket to like the first slate of like Euros two years ago, and uh, and I lost. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, have you played soccer DFS before? I have not. Until Saber Sim starts supporting it, I probably will stay out of yeah. the streets. Agreed. Um, okay, question from uh, US, USN. Uh, when creating a pool of 1,500 lineups for 60 entries to a slate, after adjustments are made for unique random, are the best 60 lineups uniquely distributed to contests or the 60 random that meet exposures from the 1,500? It is only from the lineups in your lineup set. So if you've changed this number to 60 and you are unique random filling your 60 lineups into three different 20 maxes, it will be only your top 60 here. It will not include any other lineups from the pool of 500, only your top 60. So, right. Um, I, some questions about um, seeing who has like qualified and entered for the max challenge stuff. I'll look at that this afternoon and see if I can get a like a Google sheet up um, that will like show who's entered so far and who maxed in week one. Um, it won't be. I don't think it's going to be like automated, so it won't be live. Like if you go and register, it's not going to be there a second later. I'm probably just going to do it manually, um, but I'll, I'll try to get that up for people here. So, um, all right, cool. Question from, from Jilliman, who gave me the pronunciation help here as well, which I always appreciate. Uh, also said, what's up, Jay and Drew, which is the official name of new office hours at no cost. So there we go. This is, this is now the <laughs> Jay and Drew show. I like it. Uh, I got a complex question stuck in my brain that I need to walk through. So I run different builds for different contests with different exposures to try to get different, 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 different. Uh, however, when I try to copy and paste to CSV and then upload back from the entry editor from FanDuel, I don't know how to determine my complete exposure portfolio for all of my lineups. How do I approach getting all of this information? I, I mean, unless I'm misunderstanding, I feel like that like happens... That should happen like automatically. Like the entry so, editor should read the exposures in whatever file you upload. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So like I don't know. Like say, I, I know that especially in basketball, that happens all the time. Constantly late swapping and re uploading your CSV. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. So I mean I, I would be curious to understand why it's not doing that. Yeah, even if you've like used all these different builds, like even if I ran, even if I ran a build, a different build to fill every single contest I'm playing here for the Sunday main slate here and fill them all in those individual builds. If I come back to this entry editor screen here, this will still be like a summary of everything. Mike's it'll maybe this is maybe the point of confusion. So in the entries tab, it will summarize your lineup and entry exposure to different players and team stacks and stack types across all of these different builds that maybe were built in different like contests and things like that. So or different, sorry, different builds that were built for different contests. So and, and it maybe sounds is, like Jilliman is taking the download lineup file and copy and pasting into his CSV and not using the entry editor because he wants some lineups from each build. But once he submits that to FanDuel, as he says, he can download the live fi file from FanDuel and then re-upload into the entry editor and it should right. read it. Yeah, so you can re-upload that like edited custom CSV here 
this is DraftKings, but same deal for, for for a FanDuel entries file, and that that should like update. Now, well, in that case, they won't any they won't be attached to builds anymore. It'll but it'll have right. your exposures here. So, uh, yep, give that but, give that a shot and let us know if it's not working. Sweet, uh, cool. Um, Uncrabby Cabby said, "Is there any benefit to using the satellite build for large field top heavy contests?" Yeah, I mean, I think there's a case to be made there, especially when you start talking about something like like Millimaker, where first is a huge portion like i would say 35 to 40 percent of the prize pool you start getting a little bit more satellite-y um so i don't i don't hate it you'll see in general it's basically going to be like one notch up on all the sliders a little more correlation a little more ownership fade a little more sim precision so um I, i'm fine with that um Cameron said, yo, I've been meaning to ask this. Is there a contest in FanDuel? Say there's a contest that has, oh, in FanDuel that has a 50 entry limit. What entry limit should I choose on SaberSim? What I typically do, and again, you're not going to see a big difference here, is just look at what the 20 max and the 150 is um, for that particular contest size and either pick something in between or pick something, pick either of them. Like you can see, for example, here, again, this is DK, but sliders will be the same. If you were playing at 50 max and it's, I don't know, 10 to 50K, 20 max is 436, 150 max is 437. I always lean towards the higher sliders when I'm in between. Um, but, you know, picking either of those is probably going to be fine. Yeah, I tend to lean toward the higher sliders as well. Um, interesting question here. It's kind of a fun one. Nancy Drew guys said, if you had to move one slider up or down, which one would it be and why? Uh, I'll let you go first on this one, Andrew. I'm, I'm curious what your, your take is here. I guess it depends what contest, but just for the sake of the question, I would say probably the ownership fade or sim precision, but I'm leaning ownership fade. I wouldn't touch the correlation. I would leave that one alone for sure. Which direction? Uh, up, Always up on the ownership fade and probably up on the sim precision too. Sim precision up was my lean as well, uh, mostly just because I, I tend to find that what I'm doing in the post-build process on most builds is diversifying anyway. Uh, I don't mind ending up with a slightly more diversified pool to begin with. Um, fun theoretical question. I will, again, always stress that like tweaking the sliders is not the best place to add value to SaberSim. There is not a magic set of sliders that will just one day start just producing the, the nuts lineup consistently. Uh, it is... A way to get a found a strong foundation of lineups from which to craft and make your own, uh, and we put a lot of effort into figuring out what the right defaults are. So, um, anytime anybody asks, about yeah, I guess for diversification, increasing your sim precision is good. I think I find myself in like the mid stakes streets a lot. So if I just have the understanding that the fields are a little sharper, which is why mm -hmm. I lean toward bumping the ownership fade up just slightly. Yep, and I think that makes sense. Um, when the field is going to act a little bit more rational anyway, you can get a little bit more out of fading the ownership because you know where the ownership is going to go. It's going to, and it's going to condense on, on better plays anyway. So I like it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Aaron says, what stacking rules do you guys use for NFL? Um, I'll show you mine first. Um, this is all so, you, Jordan. Okay, cool. Uh, what I like to do here is I will use an advanced stacking rule um, and I will say a quarterback. And I typically say running back, wide receiver, or tight end one to three, right? Um, and then what I will do is on the run back, I will typically say 
um, less than or equal to one on the run back, right? And this is going to limit me to QB plus ones, QB plus twos, QB plus threes with an optional one run back in every lineup. Um, I think this is just a nice baseline. It's a nice combination of, you know, eliminating some of the lineups that I know I'm not going to play anyway, which would be like QB plus zeros and QB plus fours, um, just not builds that I typically want to get to. Uh, and it, it leaves some optionality in there, right? Like I don't like to brute force and say must have two wide receivers, even if that's my favorite personal stack, because Sabersim uh, has a lot of value to add in terms of knowing what individual correlations are for different running backs and different tight ends and what the best way to stack different teams are for that particular slate. Um, from there, the one thing that I will do, and also what actually, let me add on the runbacks, it also will help kind of determine when does it actually make sense to run that game back, right? Um, I think people sometimes get and fall into a bit of a trap thinking that you need to run back every stack, uh, but those correlations are not super strong. Doesn't always make sense to go that direction. So um, the one other note I will make is I will, from there always spot check my three stacks um, or my QB plus three stacks, which are actually technically called four stacks in the in the build screen, and make sure that the teams that I'm getting to that have that construction are teams that I think kind of intuitively makes some sense to get there. So like just in general, higher scoring teams, teams that have the potential to put up a lot of points um, on a very, very quick glance. I would probably want to look a little bit closer into Washington, Detroit, and New York here um, to make sure that I was like on, on board with what was actually implied by this lineup, like that the game script, I think, you know, oh, Washington man, Jared Goff plus three. I don't know if I could do it. Well, here's what's crazy. This game, I think, last time I checked, has the second highest total on the board. Detroit really? and Washington. Yeah. So, I I mean, it, those teams are different than they were last year. Uh, and I think that Vegas has adjusted a little bit. Um, maybe they're overreacting. I actually think this is the one that I'm least on board with here is the Daniel Jones plus three. Um, also with Saquon in the in the build. I, I just And with the Giants D, just not sure I'm bought in there. But I I don't know. Anyway, point is, these are those are situations I like to look a little bit closer at. And and I think if you told me, like, had to make a decision right now, I would probably eliminate these two. Because um, there's always better, there's always other lineups to play, right? Like, it's not the end of the world to cross a, a team off here because you're, you're just getting a different build coming in anyway. So um, that's what I do. But uh, Cameron says, I know this is slate dependent, but what's a good min-max ownership number I should use? Thank you guys for the help. Uh, you want to take this one? You want to you get this one started? Yeah, sure. I think I come at this from a much different angle than you, Jordan, but I really don't have a number that I'm looking for. It's player-specific most of the time based on their ownership. So, so someone's 30% owned and I like them, I might get 45%. If I really like them, I might get 60%. You know, if I determine that Devontae Adams chalk is warranted, I'll, I'll get way up there. But I would say it depends on – it's a player-by-player player decision for me. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah, and I'm not sure – maybe if you're talking about the lineup sums, the min and max is here, Cameron. Um, oh, or ownership. Or, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I was, I thought it was exposure. I I could. You might be right. It might. I'm not sure if we're referring. I mean, I think, I think that's still a useful answer for thinking about exposures. Do you use the min and max ownership sum options here in the build settings at all? These are I do new, not. Yeah, I don't either. Um, it, though, honestly, 
like I don't think you really need to use them. I think the ownership fade slider does a really good job. Like you can so a lot of people for you know I know there's an ETR article out there that says like 75 to 125%, right? That's like I hear that all the time on this show coming in through support that kind of stuff. You'll see if you just build lineups on SaberSim like you'll you'll a lot of times you'll get lineups that are around that point anyway. Not because you set the rule, but because our ownership fade slider already has a good understanding of what ownership is appropriate and it's building lineups with that kind of in mind. So I I don't have a good number that I would actually go through and put here. I don't do anything like that in my particular process. And I would say like, unless you have a number that you feel like your lineups need to be in for your ownership subs, uh, leave it alone is what I think. So... Uh, cool. Ooh, okay. Uh, another question here in Discord um, from Jimmy. And said, uh, looking at the team stacks tab, if your stack exposure is way higher than your stack exposure, your stack pool exposure is way higher than your stack exposure. Do you think that's a good team to focus on or target, especially for an early build? Ooh, baseball question. Royals are 17% in the pool exposure, but only 1.3 in the stack exposure. I don't ever recall noticing a discrepancy that large. Uh, let's run a build here. Let me get this going for the baseball slate here tonight. Cause I haven't even really looked at it and I, I would say just off the thoughts, bat, but yeah, go ahead and let's hear. I'm curious what you I, think. I don't know what the other pool exposures are in this scenario, but if the Royals were toward the top and I'm only getting so much of them, I would just bump that back up to it. Obviously the builder is telling me that, for one reason or another, the Royals are not the best play here. But if you think it's too far off, maybe meet the builder in the middle, force 7%, 8%, and still take an underweight stance against your pool because that's what the builder is telling me to do. But just leverage some of that. Don't be Don't be so negatively leveraged against them. Yeah, and for me, I would say like, I like to look for reasons rather than saying just this is the blind rule of thumb. You can do this every slate, always bump up this team in this situation. I would look for like kind of game theory reasons for why I might want to go get that team. Like, let's see. And again, I haven't even looked at the slate, but I'm going to try to do this like quickly thinking about this. So um, let's go see if we can find a situation like that. So you mentioned Royals. Maybe we get Royals too, but let's like go see. So, okay. So like New York and the Dodgers and the Royals and the the um, and Miami all kind of jump out as like teams that are kind of like that, right? Like we're getting no exposure and they actually like jump out a little bit in the stack pool exposure. So I might then go in and like look for a, a kind of a game theory reason for why I want to get, like why I might want to get these teams or try to kind of explain why they're showing up there. Um, you know, I, just even at a first glance, like you could probably explain some of this stuff away. So like I imagine that the Yankees and Dodgers are probably like fairly chalky. I know it's a 14 game slate. So ownership's probably going to be pretty spread out, but like the reason why the Yankees and Dodgers are showing up in your pool a lot, but aren't showing up in your top lineups is because like, they probably have a very high scoring expectation, but they might be kind of chalky. So the Sabre score is reducing them from there because their, their, their ownership is too high, but like Miami or Kansas city, right. That might be a more interesting angle. I bet those are kind of lower owned teams. Those might even be direct leverage off of a chalkier pitcher. Like we can see, um, so, I mean, Josiah Gray doesn't look too chalky and neither does, um, 
who's who's up against Kansas City. Uh, neither does Michael Wacha. So, I mean, I guess maybe not the 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 perfect example there, but maybe still an opportunity to get to some of those expo- get to some of those teams there, just because they're probably going to be like less owned, right? Like Kansas City looks pretty low ish. Um, curious what Miami's ownership is, but even either way, we don't need to get like too slate specific for me. Like I'm totally, I'm down with the idea of, of using this as like a red flag of something like, Hey, look closer into this. Like maybe these are some teams to do a little bit more research on. I don't know if I would just say blindly like, okay, yep. I'm getting 15% exposure to Kansas city now because of this discrepancy. But if there's like a leverage I can get by going to that team or like I, I find a lower own angle to, to go to there, I'm, I'm down to do it. Um, so definitely um, warrants some looking into. Yeah. And like the teams that would like really jump out to me tonight would be, let's see, like, who are the, who are the chalkier pitchers? So like Pittsburgh, Oh, Verland was coming off the IL Pittsburgh, Oakland, or like Cincinnati or Detroit. Like if any of those teams had a ton of exposure down here, that would be a little bit more interesting to me just because there's like a really big direct leverage opportunity there. But none of these teams are like really jumping up like 1.6, 1.8. I don't even think Oakland's here. Oakland's, we don't even have an Oakland stack in our 500 here. Um, so, but sometimes you see that like there's, it's actually like, it's, you know, especially against um, value chalk pitchers, you, you'll see sometimes situations where it's like uh, the pit, you're getting like a lot of the pitcher in your pool but you're also getting actually quite a bit of the stack in your pool exposure alongside them. And I think sometimes that's a little bit of a flag of like, Hey, this is a high variance environment where like it's bad pitcher against bad team is always just like super high variance. And I feel like everybody always, almost always rushes to one side of that or the other without really thinking like, Hey, you know, this could really pretty easily go the other direction. Um, so uh, I think, uh, Oh Yeah. I, I am ghosting Fisty here. My bad. Uh, let's answer Fisty's question here. Fisty, Fisty's like uh, the only person that actually opened up a thread in the Discord channel, and then I proceeded to ignore him. So I apologize for that. Uh, said, does Late Swap try to follow the exposures in the build you use to fill the contest? Uh, it will follow the exposures that you have in your projections tab. So what you should do is, is send send the exposures from your build that you like want to use as your like late swap exposures back to the home screen or back to the projections tab. And then it will use that in your late swap build. Yeah. That's going to become very important when NBA starts. Yeah. Cause if you don't put that in or tell the builder, it'll reevaluate the slate completely. Right. Jordan. Yeah, exactly. So it's right here. So if like, if, I think I made at least a couple adjustments to this build. If I wanted to send that back to the home screen now, I'd send it like that. And then anytime I run a late swap build, it'll listen to it there. So, and then there was a follow-up here as well. Um, This is actually a good one here. Um, uh, It says, uh, also, when does the late swap get applied to my entries in the Saversim app? Can I run a test late swap build without it applying to my entries? Yes, you can. It applies on the download. So if you run a late swap build, um, I don't think I'm entered into this slate here. Let me go back to NFL. But if you run a late swap build, you can just look at it and see what happens. And it, we won't assume that you actually entered that into your contests until you press download. But once you press download, we will. So again, if we have my entries file here and I run this late swap build, uh, oh, I only have 
one lineup, whatever. If I run this late swap build, it is on the download of this build where we'll, we'll say, okay, that is now the lineup that we have in the entries file. So that can be useful. Like uh, last week, for example, um, I keep going back to this example, but we had Ronald Jones inactive for the Chiefs. This is like the main, the really the only kind of like in, some semi-impactful piece of news that came out in the afternoon window. If you wanted to just see like, hey, what changes? You could look how much CEH do I have right now? run a late swap build. How much CEH do I have after the late swap build? And if it's not a big change, maybe you stick with your original entries. But if you're suddenly double on CEH, maybe you want to actually upload that file. Um, so that it can be useful. But if you ever get out of whack as well, like sometimes, you know, maybe you ran a late swap build and you downloaded it, but you didn't upload it or you uploaded it and then also made some hand, hand late swaps after that. You can always just start with like a new uploaded entries file and just that'll just re reset everything so right for one reason or another sometimes it gets out of whack and the best thing to do is just go to the site have pull the file the site will tell you what it has and then just put that back in saberson um let's see uh okay i think I, it looks like there's some like follow-up discussion in that thread on discord as well. I'm not sure if there's like a question for us here might be a little confused if there is. So, um, Fisty, let me know if that answered your question and trouble, uh, troubles. If you are still are confused as well on late swap, maybe let, let, give us a little bit more context on your question there. I'm having a hard time understanding, but, um, so, um, and then, okay. So follow-up question here from Fisty uh as well um said follow-up question i get errors saying i can't meet exposures and i don't have adjustments in my player screen uh what i would probably do in that case is like see okay like if you have this red thing up here at all you have changed something something has changed uh, there's a lot of different places to change exposures now here. Um, and it's easy to lose track of it all. If this button is here at all, something has changed somewhere. I would reset this, which will reset everything. Try again and see if that works. Uh, if you don't have the red reset button there and you still can't late swap or you still can't run builds, I think probably a better question for support than something that we can troubleshoot here on stream. I would either reach out in the support channel on Discord instead, uh, and and actually probably along with that is use the report a problem link here. Um, so what when, when you use this, it sends it sends a copy of your session to the support team. They can just do way more in terms of actually figuring out what the problem is than than Andrew and I can do. Just kind of right. trying to test it. So, but um, cool. I don't see any other questions here. We we still have, I know we got a late start, but we still have uh, a little bit more time here, um, at least before we hit the hour point. So if anybody has any other quick questions you want to fire away before the weekend, uh, get at us now. Andrew, uh, you got anything that you want to chat about? Anything you want to take a look at here? Um, are you playing baseball tonight? Uh, I'm not playing baseball tonight. No, I'm going to be, start getting ready for the uh, weekend main slate. Gotcha. You're, Did you you're... want to make the announcement about uh, next week? Uh, uh, what? 
the uh the the for office hours oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we um I, I announced it in the discord man I, you scared me for a second i forgot what you were talking about i announced it in the like going live announcement here earlier today um office hours going forward will be at five o'clock eastern time uh so that is two o'clock pacific um going forward i know we've had people asking like basically since we started office hours here uh for us to do it at a later time the reason why it was at the time it was for so long is we just wanted to really reinforce that this was more you know about education as opposed to being like a live before lock kind of show um but i think people get that now i think we've established a little bit of an office hours culture here um and i think hopefully more people will just be able to tune in at that later time slot on a on a daily basis so um, looking forward to doing that. I think also, you know, when we do run builds and we do start to look at things, we'll have more updated projections and ownership and can dive in a little bit deeper when we do want to talk about the slate and answer questions like that. So, um, going forward next week, five o'clock Eastern for office hours. So, um, very, very excited about that, but, uh, cool. I don't see any other questions here coming in. Uh, so I think what we'll do, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and cap it off there. Um, we will be right back here again on Monday at that new time, five o'clock Eastern. So tune in, check us out Monday. Uh, obviously heading into week two here, NFL Sunday main slate. Um, the Sim team will be around in Discord, in the support channels, in the NFL channels, uh, helping to answer any questions you guys have, talk through strategy, you know, whatever you guys want to do. Um, we'll have the uh, most of the full team on Sunday morning as well. Um, so uh, anyway, Andrew, anything else that, that you want to touch on before we get out of here for the weekend? Just good luck to everybody this weekend, and I hope uh, we have a profitable DFS weekend. Agreed. All right. Take care. See you, everybody. See you.